Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to episode 229 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with... Gray! Hello, hi Dave, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I am good, thank you. I'm uh, I'm, I'm mostly out of my funk of reality TV and after my <laughs> last episode even got a little tweet from Matt at Entertainment Talks just in his disappointment that I was uh, <laughs> obsessed with some of the programmes. Yes, um, <laughs> rightly so oh you know it's just that habit now of not being a teacher i can sit there in the evenings and channel surf and find some random stuff on <laughs> yes yes there's better things out there to watch though i know i know and i have been trying to get through some of the better things myself good so what have you been watching then uh so since we last went on i have just finished taskmaster season nine i know we're going to talk a little bit more about it um later on in the podcast but it was one of the better episodes i think david Baddiel and joe brand are in this season and oh, it was cool. absolutely fantastic and really did make me laugh it, it it takes me back to some of the early seasons which are really good and makes up for the disappointment of season eight uh so i finished that but let, we'll talk about that a little bit later yeah. um i binged through uh, queer eye japan um on one sunday which came out a couple of weeks ago um i liked it but um i just wasn't sure i really just want them to come to the uk i think we crying yeah. out for a UK version. And, that would be uh, nice. It would be nice, and it was uh, it was good. It, a lot of concentration because it's subtitles, but there were some really interesting makeovers there. Only four episodes, so really easily bingeable. And in that same weekend, I also finished Big Mouth, which I think I heard you and Matt talking about a few weeks ago. Um, yes, they are quite funny. They're quite they're really really um, sort of they're putting it out there. It's very sex positive. Um, you know, talking about young people. They're doing it in a jokey way because it's a cartoon, but it is really relevant. And you know. If, if I was a, a teacher still and I maybe had to teach sex ed, I think I'd probably be tempted to show clips of that um, right. uh, of that program because as funny as it is, it's also quite spot on and quite true and really taps into topics that you probably wouldn't get in a proper drama because of the sort yeah, of the, yeah. the content. Um, I also got, I finished living with yourself, yes. uh, which, um, I was hanging on to a few episodes of that last time I, we chatted, you know, what really got me and I'm not normally someone to pick out on this, but the music, the soundtrack and the score to that series was really gripped me and really mesmerizing. It just was an uneasy take on a sort of like a black comedy. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It put me, put it in the realms of Russian doll for me that it was funny yet kept me hooked and played with time and changed the perspective and how you're seeing things. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great, great show that it's um, really enjoyable. And I, I can see the comparisons with Russian doll. It's, it's that kind of strange, quirky off the wall idea for a yeah. uh, for a show so yes it works really well the music's by anna meredith apparently who is a british composer so oh, have you have you managed to find out if she can come on for an interview because i think she would be really interesting she's not one i know uh it depends whether she's got because all, all the composer interviews come through an la agent so uh, okay. uh, it depends whether she's got a, an agent over there but uh yeah she's more known as a classical composer but uh, than anything else which is interesting um but she, she did uh, Bo Berman's eighth grade as well. Good. No, I really, really, really enjoyed that. Um, obviously, very behind on the times I finished Big Little Lies, finally. I um, still haven't just... seen a single episode of Big Little Lies. I'm terrible. Uh, season one, really good. 
Season two, good, great acting, great performances, great cinematography. Just the plots were a little bit like, oh, mm, you know, right. sort of like, meh. Um, great Meryl Streep was brilliant in her first ever sort of foray into TV drama. It's beautifully shot, some great stars, but I just think too many stars, not enough plot and not didn't grip me enough. Right. Um, but that's out of the way. That's done. Let's see if they bring on a season three. Um, just in my general sort of day to day, I'm doing lots of catching up. And I think I've become this new free person of being a teacher. I've really started thinking about things I may have wanted to watch and started going back and trying to find them rather than picking up lots and lots of new things. So recently I'm, I'm working my way through the Shit's Creek back catalogue. So I know the final season's coming out next year. Yep. So I think I'm in season three at the moment. Our country, I was in this big swathe of people who seem to miss our country. Um, I know that's got a new season coming out next year. So I've been catching up with that, uh, which is the two teenagers in a Cotswold village. Right. Uh, yes. Absolutely hilarious. I, I watched it on a plane recently and I just, everyone was looking at me because I was physically laughing so much. They were like, are you all right? And I was like, I'm absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> and if anybody hasn't seen it, the second season of Young Offenders just got released on the BBC iPod player about a week ago um and it is being compared to the Derry Girls in terms of uh, it, but it's about two boys. The second season is okay so far. I enjoyed the first season more. Um, but obviously, sometimes the second season does go through that patch of being recognised, so they they might struggle to get some good plot lines and story elements to it. But it's still a nice, fun sort of comedy. Um, really takes off the movie it was based on in 2016. So that's me really. I've been uh, I've been really enjoying this free time and. And not worrying about, oh, I must get through all the current shows. I've been trying to really look back and things about what I really wanted to see. But yeah, really enjoying it. I'm worried about Christmas. Too much coming onto my plate. I don't know how I'm going <laughs> to cope. But you know what? I do that every year. Dave, what about yourself? What have you been up to? Um, really, it's just been a continuation of the things that I've been watching for the last few weeks, actually. Uh, I'm about four episodes into The Crown now. Uh, they did a really powerful episode, which is on a mining disaster that happened in the late 70s, I think, which was a mining disaster in Wales, which wasn't an incident I was aware of. And it was sort of how the government dealt with it and how the crown dealt with it and uh, the sort of the new government basically trying to deflect the fact that this accident had happened on their watch by sort of deflecting it towards the crown and sort of saying oh well the queen hasn't visited and sort of throwing the blame on her as well yeah. uh, so that was that's kind of all really interesting it was quite a powerful episode that so I'm really enjoying the crown new cast works really well you don't even miss the old cast at all it just continues on it doesn't feel like there's been a huge change even though all the main players are all different it just works still very much has the same feel to it i think i'm still a bit behind i finished season one very recently and i'm midway through season two so i'm just trying to really sort of hurry myself through season two before i finally do what season three yeah Can't wait <laughs> yeah no i mean much as i like the original cast the old cast uh the season three cast is is absolutely killing it and as i say you don't notice the fact that the cast has changed all that much, which is really good. Over on Apple TV, I'm still watching C and The Morning Show and For All Mankind. C is really starting to find its feet. It's quite slow in the first few episodes while they're kind of world building and setting everything up. Uh, it's got more and more interesting as they're going in. It, it's sort of in the same way that Peaky Blinders, which is Stephen Knight's other show, has this sort of slow build to it. it it's got that. And they're doing a really good job on sort of building that world and building it out and they've got lots of twists and turns that sort of come in from unexpected places so i'm i'm really rather enjoying that and uh, i'm looking forward to watching more of it for all mankind was a little bit slow at the start as well and that has sort of picked up uh, they've put a few time jumps in it which i mentioned was something that i kind of wanted to see because you're starting to get to the point now where they are 
out of the straight sort of alt history of of just tweaking things that we know happened and you're now kind of move forward a couple of years and you're seeing them kind of do things like moon bases and stuff so you are seeing more movement into a very different direction which is is really intriguing so i'm very much enjoying that uh and the morning show is great as well it's it's a really interesting take on sort of a a morning show hit by a me too scandal and how they deal with that and uh, it's about the relationship of the less of the person that was accused of the scandal and more about the people that are left behind than anything else and particularly the uh jennifer anderson's character who is the female co-host of of the male host that was accused so it's how she deals with that and and the the new co-host who is a woman that comes in and and so it's, it's about that relationship but that i'm very much enjoying um apple have got some really good shows there's not many of them i mean it it is only 5.99 a month and there isn't that much original content on there but everything they're doing they're really doing well it's sort of decent you know your hbo high quality style drama so they're doing a great job and i've you know spoken to a few people that are working on apple series and it seems to be apple's approach to a lot of their stuff is very much hands off it's like here's a pile of money go and make something you know uh, and they're letting the creators kind of do what they want and not interfering in any way and just letting them get on with it so uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what else they come out with Walking Dead and Watchmen of course we're carrying on with that we're doing weekly podcasts with Matt as Entertainment Talk over on Entertainment Talk for those so Walking Dead which has its mid-season finale later this week you can go and catch that over there and uh, Watchmen I think has got four more episodes it's one gone out this week and then there's three more after that so uh, Watchmen's been an absolutely superb series and Walking Dead's been great this season as well really turned a corner from where it was a couple of seasons ago so uh, I'm very much enjoying both those but if you want to know more about that go over to Entertainment Talk on Wednesday the new podcast will be out for those Uh, and there was another bit of news that dropped today the teen-led Walking Dead spin-off which has been nameless up until this point it's coming to amazon uk in spring 2020 it'll be amc in the us and uh, it's got a title it's called the walking dead world beyond and there is a new trailer up for it as well there's been bits and pieces drop out it basically follows this group of kids that are the first generation to grow up in a world full of zombies but the kids have been very much in a protected community, you know, so they're not really that experienced with dealing with zombies and they end up leaving the community to go on some form of quest, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, and uh, they're experiencing the outside world, the world outside their protected community for the first time. So uh, it looks really interesting, that one. I don't know how well it will go down and it is the third spin-off of The Walking Dead so far. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes but uh, it has some connections to the group that we last saw taking away rick grimes so there is some connection there as well so it could be really an interesting one to watch that but that is coming to amazon uk in spring 2020 so that, and that's called walking dead the world beyond well, i don't know how you know i know they've got the other two movies coming as well i just don't know yeah. how they are sort of stringing it out a little bit but we'll see where it goes i, I lost faith in it a few seasons i know i've talked about it before um but you know if it works good for them i don't know how much the audience will continue going for it i think uh that hopefully they might pick up a new trend but i'm not sure i'm a little bit skeptical about it but that's because maybe because i'm a, i'm no longer a viewer yeah and uh, there is a certain amount of skepticism generally around like them turning the walking dead into a franchise and them adding more and more shows and uh amc are, are sticking with the walking dead there were stories floating around about oh it may end soon you know they're bringing it to a close and the the main show may come to a close at some point but there's absolutely nothing confirmed at the moment as far as we're aware they're just going to keep it going until the numbers get to a point where they're not making it worthwhile but at the moment the numbers are still there for it so you know they're going to carry on making spin-offs and you are going to 
carry on getting other shows. But I, I think in terms of the main show, they've really turned a corner on quality since Angela Kang took over. And it, it is worth getting back into. If you dropped out a few seasons ago, it is worth going back to. They have done a really, really good job, particularly the second half of last season and this season. I think they've, they've really found their stride again. So uh, it is worth carrying on with. And uh, we'll see what the spin-off is like when that lands next year. So that's everything we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. We kick off the TV and film news with renewals, cancellations and pickups as ever. Uh, First one is uh, not a cancellation, but it is coming to an end. Marvel's Runaways is is joining the pile of recently got rid of Marvel series. Um, Runaways, actually, they're saying isn't a cancellation. The story sort of comes to a natural conclusion at the end of the third season. So they've just decided that they're going to leave it there. A lot of people saying, oh, this is Disney Plus that's causing this. It's not really Disney Plus that has caused this. I think it's more to do with Kevin Feige, who is now in control of all the Marvel TV stuff, whereas he wasn't before. And I I think it's him streamlining things because there was a number of shows like this and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and a few others that were kind of Marvel adjacent rather than being directly inserted as part of the MCU, Uh, like even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which started off as a sort of MCU property and is very much straight away from that I think he's just trying to tidy things up a little bit and and that's meant that some of these shows are going now um, so Runaways is going Cloak and Dagger is gone Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comes to an end next year they have got a new show Hell- Hailstrom Hailstrom that's it that's it yeah Hailstrom so they have got Hailstrom coming uh, and that launches next year they abandoned the idea of doing the Ghost Rider series but they have got Hailstrom which is coming to Hulu next year so who knows where that'll land up over here but uh so they're not completely abandoning TV shows that aren't directly MCU related. All the direct MCU ones are going on Disney Plus, so there will be Marvel TV shows going on to some of their other services as well. But um, Hailstrom's the one that we know of at the moment. We've got Netflix, which have renewed the zombie drama Black Summer. That is coming for a second season. Uh, I know Matt's a huge fan of this. He really likes it. I haven't seen it, but apparently it's got some fairly decent reviews from people that have. So... Uh, that's good Taskmaster as you mentioned earlier that uh, you're watching on Dave it's now Uh been snatched by Channel 4 and they've given it six more seasons over three years so uh, Taskmaster is moving from from Dave to Channel 4 they sound like they're not really doing anything to the show in terms of changing the format it's still going to be a mix of sort of up and coming comedians and established people I don't think they're interfering with it in any way they're just going to keep it as it is and just going to be on Channel 4 now instead. I, I think it's a really good decision not to change it. The format is really strong. Um, you, what you get is you normally get uh, a couple of really established comedians, a couple of up and coming, and then you get one not rogue in the pack, but someone who's a bit alternative to the comedy scene. Right. Uh, for example, Richard Osman's done um, a season. Right. I also had um, Sally Phillips has done a season. I know she does a lot of comedy, but obviously predominantly as an actress. Uh, we had Katie Wicks in the, this season just gone so predominantly a comedy actress rather than a stand-up so it is really strong when you have that and there's been some absolutely brilliant names across the the nine seasons already we we say nine there's actually been 10 because they did a champion of champions oh right okay. season five where they invited back the five previous winners to do i don't know if that's in the channel four remit so after they've done season 10 which will be their first one will they invite back uh just to give you the names that have won the past ones uh, Liza Tarbuck, Kerry Godlin and Lou Sanders and the most recent winner 
uh, no, spoiler alert, Ed Gamble might be invited back to do a chat. I'm not sure, but maybe. you know, it, maybe that that could be their method. But it's a really simple format. It's now started to span lots of merchandise. You can buy games, you can buy books. Um, that's really good, and it all came from. It's the brainchild of Alex Horn. You know, he just. Yeah, yeah had this idea and it's a fantastic idea um and they're now putting all the episodes out onto youtube if you don't have a uk tv play subscription or ah. sky so someone like yourself dave i know hasn't caught up on a lot of them i believe if you follow taskmaster on twitter they give you the link to the youtube where they're putting out some of the older episodes and you can you can go um to some of the better seasons and in my mind seasons one two six and the one that just got nine are some of the best seasons okay cool i might go yeah. and look those up yeah that's good yeah so and it seems like a natural place for it i mean it seems very much like a channel four sort of show so you know i think dave will obviously be upset about losing it but it seems seems fair enough if that's what they want to do so uh and and they've got you know like i say six new seasons so you're getting two seasons a year um it's over the next three years another great show that's returned is uh, New Amsterdam part one of season two which is the first nine episodes will be coming to Amazon Prime UK that's got a date of the 9th of December now I'm very very much looking forward to that coming back because season one was brilliant it's one of the best medical dramas out there uh, interviewed the cast for that a few months ago was it last year or this year I can't remember but we have interviewed the cast for that just great and it's it's Ryan Eggold in the lead as the medical director of one of the oldest and only public hospitals in the US. So uh, yeah, it's it's just really well put together and different from medical drama. So that's, I'm glad to have that back 9th of December for that. Sticking with Amazon Prime, The Grand Tour, which if you've been following the news, you'll know that The Grand Tour has shifted its format for the upcoming season. So it's not going to be a standard season of shows. They're basically going to be a collection of those Top Gear-esque specials. They are doing the first one and it's based around boat and they have a childish sense of humour. They've called it the Grand Tour Presents Seaman. So that's coming on the 13th of December uh, to uh, Amazon Prime UK and worldwide. That is turning up. I didn't actually watch much of the last season. It sort of landed when there was a bunch of other things on and I just didn't get around to it. I might watch this because it's a special though and uh, it's a sort of feature length thing, I think. So be interested to see that because I quite like those sort of specials that they do. And it's, it's, the fun is watching them mess around in things and in this case it's going to be boats it's going to be very very much the same sort of format but uh, yes I'm I'm looking forward to that coming back Doom Patrol has finally landed a UK broadcaster Warner Media continues their effort to try and put all their properties on as many different networks as humanly possible so this one is going to stars play instead of anywhere that's got any of the other shows uh, <laughs> stars play the 2nd of january that is arriving for season one of doom patrol it's slightly annoying that it's not ended up on netflix because netflix have titans and doom patrol did appear initially in titans so there is some connection with those series uh, but yes it's not it's going to stars play instead but that's second of January that's arriving apparently and uh, over on Netflix though they've got a date for Better Call Soul that is arriving on Monday the 24th of February and Tuesday the 25th of February because they're doing it over two nights for the first two episodes so we're at season five of that we will of course be covering that uh, on a weekly podcast over on Entertainment Talk as well when that comes back there was a whole bunch of dates announced for January uh, or rather sort of announced that they will be coming back in January we know exact dates yet but uh january on sky one we have season two of the thick of it the rookie season two seal team season three chicago fire season eight and avenue five which is the new amando ianucci series that is coming to sky one in january as well they have announced so uh, lots of stuff coming in january speaking of stuff coming in january although this might not actually be january but uh arrowverse bit of an update on that we're checking the schedules recently the 
crossover episodes had disappeared off the schedules because they were supposed to be coming in December. They've now changed their mind. They're moving all the crossover episodes to when the Arrowverse shows return in the new year, which is actually usually kind of mid to late February. I know that's going to annoy some people that you're not going to get to see the first couple of the crossover episodes. They've decided to bunch them all together. There's still no update on Batwoman. We don't know when or where that series may land. All we know is it's not going to be on Sky at the moment. I think part of their reasoning for moving it might be to do with the fact that Batwoman hasn't appeared anywhere. So that sort of messes the crossover up a bit anyway. And I'm kind of thinking that they may have thought, well, since it's messed up anyway, we may as well just hold it until we can run all the four episodes they do have together next year. And hopefully somebody has announced that they've got that woman and started running it by then. But I don't know. I, d- I don't know exactly what their thinking is. But all we know is that it's not that they're not airing them. It's just that they've moved them all to the new year instead. So... Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's almost like five weeks ago when we last time we were talking about it. And I know you and Matt have talked about it. It's just so frustrating. Um, let's not get into it anymore, Dave. It's frustrating. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is frustrating. Uh, it's it's not Sky's fault. There isn't anything they can do about it in terms of the Batwoman series messing up that crossover. It wasn't there to be bought, so they couldn't buy it. It has apparently gone to somebody else. They don't know who. We don't know who. Uh, we're still waiting for it to turn up. But with any luck, by the time that they do have the crossover, that somebody may have announced that they've got it. But who knows? Um, moving on to other news stories, Netflix have ordered a sequel to Vikings. Did you ever watch any of Vikings? No, not, never on my radar. I remember seeing it, but I never got into it. Was it used to be on like a really bizarre channel before it? It runs on the History Channel in there the US. You go. It's on the History Channel in the UK as well, but it is also on Amazon Prime. It actually premieres on Amazon Prime and then History UK runs it six, 12 months later, something like that. Mm. Um, so Netflix have actually ordered the sequel to it though it's from the uh, same creator michael hurst and writer jeb stewart it's obviously going to be about more vikings but uh, it's set 100 years after the original series and dramatizes the adventures of the most famous viking who ever lived leif erikson and harold hadara and the norman king william the conqueror who is also a viking descendant it's going to be 100 years after the original show the strapline says these men and women will blaze new paths as they fight to survival in an ever changing and evolving Europe. This is explosive next chapter of the Vikings legend. So the original series ran for six seasons. Uh, it, well, its final season is, is coming fairly soon. Uh, that was all the story of Ragnar Lothbrok and all his descendants. That was the original story. This is going to follow a whole bunch of different people. So it is kind of set in the same world and it is more Vikings, but set a little bit later. So I think this is interesting. It's an interesting pickup for Netflix as well, because Netflix UK have never had Vikings at all. It's been on Amazon. It's another one of those that's a slight sort of poking Amazon in the eye again to steal some of their properties. There's a lot of that going on at the moment. The original series was great. I'm not quite up to date. I'm still a little bit behind on it. I need to go back and finish watching it, but I really enjoyed it. It was really good. I'd be glad to have more of that. Uh, Sixth and final season of Vikings premieres Amazon Prime UK from Thursday the 5th of December and it's 4th of December on uh, for American people over on the History Channel. We've also got a new adaptation at CW of the Midnighter novels, which aren't books that I know at all particularly, but uh, it's from the team that are behind Blindspot. The Midnighter novels follows an estranged brother and sister who on their 29th birthday discover they are Midnighters, part of a chosen few born at midnight who have access to a magical 25th hour of each day. While they can use this extra magical hour for fun or to gain an advantage in life, they ultimately learn that their destiny is to protect the world from an ancient evil that has been trapped in the 25th hour for centuries and is about to break free. That's the setup for it. I'm not sure. It's interesting that Blindspot are taking it. Well, Mm. obviously, they're just a production team, but I'm not sure it doesn't spring to oh i must watch this no um but i thought i want more i want casting maybe i want um yeah 
Yeah. Also, know what channel it's going to go on to. In, in the yeah, UK, yeah, yeah. it helps direct us to know if it's coming onto a certain channel. We're like, oh, it's going to be in that sort of style. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been pitched for the CW, or it's in development for the CW in the US. So that kind of gives you some idea of it being young, pretty people, probably. Um, although, as I say, they're supposed to be twenty nine. The cast, so it's not going to be like you know a teen drama. It's going to have like older people in it, um, or older by. CW standards anyway. Um, Chris Pozzabom, who was a writer and co-EP on Blind Spot, he's set to write the script. His previous work includes things like uh, Schitt's Creek and Open Heart, the Canadian drama. He's going to EP this series as well alongside Blind Spot creator Martin Grieco. This is actually the second show that Grieco's got in development at the CW because they're also doing a remake of the 70s martial arts series Kung Fu, which I think we mentioned previously which is uh, he's actually developing with Greg Galanti of the Arrowverse fame we'll see whether it actually goes anywhere it's, they've tried making this a couple of times before uh, third time for Warner Brothers trying to make this into a TV drama uh, they acquired the license 14 years ago first one was done by Brian Kern who was the EP of the original Charm series then when that didn't work the guys behind the series Chuck try, had a go at making it and that didn't make it past a script either so uh see whether the third attempt lands anywhere but uh but yes. third time lucky so third that's time a very lucky. Old statement yeah um so we'll see but uh yes it, it's in development at the moment it might not move forward we'll have to wait and see uh and we're back to the historical dramas on sky now as well because they have got a new series coming um it's set in ancient rome it's kind of a co-production between various departments of sky including sky italia uh it's called domina and stars Kaiser Smutinak, Liam Cunningham and Isabella Rossellini are the leads in it. It's uh, set in ancient Rome, but it does everything from the perspective of the women rather than the men, which I th- uh, thought was an interesting <laughs> idea. Uh, so stars Kasia as uh, Livia Drusilla, who is on a journey from a naive young girl whose world crumbles in the wake of Julius Caesar's assassination to Rome's most powerful and influential empress, driven by a deep desire to avenge her father and secure power for her sons. Livia and her peers navigate their way through the British society by means of strategy, conspiracy, seduction and murder. This is a visceral and authentic family saga grounded in historical accuracy that brings to life the incredible true stories of the women who would create one of the most enduring and fascinating dynasties of all time. So I'm really down for this. It sounds like a really interesting idea. The the other cast, Liam Cunningham, who you know from Game of Thrones, you've got Isabella Rossellini, who's been in a whole host of things, Blue Velvet, Death Becomes, uh, Matthew McNulty, who was in Misfits, who's playing the future Emperor's Gaius. You've got Christina Bottomley, who's in End of the Effing World. Charlotte Tinosho, who's in The Witcher. Ben Bates, who was in Captain America First Avenger. Claire Fortelay, who was in Meet Joe Black. So yeah, a whole whole host of people. It's got a good cast. It sounds like it's going to be a kind of full-on historical drama with lots of murder and intrigue and like backstabbing quite literally in this case because it's Julius Caesar uh, so starts off with backstabbing it's from Michael Burke who was the writer behind Zen and Fortitude the lead director is Australian filmmaker Claire McCarthy who did The Luminaries and Ophelia got costume designers behind the age of innocence and Once Upon a Time in America production design by the people behind Prison Break makeup by the people behind Penny Dreadful hair design by the person behind Trust so uh, yeah they've kind of gone all out behind the scenes of, of putting together a really stellar people Roman history thing that interests you um, it didn't as much I mean I visited Rome last year and was quite fascinated by it um, I can see it already the marketing at Sky it's going to be a real epic number isn't it along the mm. lines of like your Britannias and things like that and Catherine the Great so I can see it fitting quite well with Sky but I might give it a view maybe the first episode see if I can cope with it yeah I mean they're going all out with their sort of big what we sort of refer to as HBO style like big 
dramas. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this seems to be one of those. And they've done a great job with some of the other ones in the past. And so Britannia's a little bit more, like, less based in history, more based in kind of a, a mix of history and other weirdness that they've added over the top of that. So, yeah, a sort of straight, like, really brutal look at this world, I think, could be quite interesting. So I'm quite looking mm. forward to that. I like those sort of things. Rome's fascinating as well. So uh, that could be one to look out for. So that's all the news we've got for this week. Let's move on to the interview. The interview this week is with the stunt coordinator, Charlie Crowell. He's a really seasoned stunt coordinator. He most recently worked on The Laundromat, which is the Netflix movie, which you can go and watch on Netflix right now, starring Meryl Streep, which means that he was prepping Meryl Streep for the various stunts. So that's like fascinating because stunts and Meryl Streep aren't really things that you think of together particularly. There was one particular scene in The Laundromat where they had a tour boat which was loaded with a bunch of older folk and they had to capsize it with Meryl and a bunch of other people as well so it was sort of talking her through that making sure Meryl's okay and dealing with like water stunts and all that sort of stuff his background he was the stunt double for Michael J Fox in the Back to the Future movies and actually (laughs) was stunt double for Michael J Fox pretty much throughout most of Michael's career or a lot of Michael's career so uh, he's, he's done a whole host of other movies as well from La La Land to Planet of the Apes to How the Grinch Stole Christmas Men in Black 2 uh, Batman Returns Hulk Uh, his latest thing he's just done is uh, the Disney movie Call of the Wild starring Harrison Ford which premieres early next year so there was a whole load of stuff to talk to him about particularly working with people like Michael J. Fox and obviously working on the laundry at Merrill so uh, he was fascinating he was really interesting to talk to he's got some great stories here's stunt coordinator Charlie Crowell, we'll we'll see you afterwards with some highlights from next week on TV. It's lovely to be able to have a chat with you because the amount of things you've been involved in is is ridiculous. So I'm very much looking forward to be able to talk to you a bit about some of the stuff, uh, particularly the laundry mat, which is the new thing you've been working on. Working with Meryl Streep, not really known for her stunts. So uh, how was it working with Meryl and uh, getting her prepped for this? She was awesome. You know, when it, we had a scene with her, the most the hardest scene for her, or the one that we thought was going to be the hardest, was uh, we had to capsize a boat with, yeah. what do we have on there? Total of uh, 47 people, no, 41 people, all elderly. Um, and then I had a crew of 13. I think I had a total of 52 people or something on that boat or in the water at the same time. Meryl was great, you know. I let production know that I needed to get her in the water in a tank just to see what her comfort level was. Right. And so they scheduled it. I was to meet her at Body Gloves Dive Tank down in Redondo Beach. Her assistant showed up. We went over everything that we had in place. I had two dive masters, two safety swimmers, my daughter who doubled Meryl and myself. (laughs) And uh, Meryl showed up. She pulled up into the parking lot and got out of her car. And I started to explain to her what we were going to do and what we had in place and all the safety precautions and everything else. And and I said to her, I said, on the day, you're probably going to be wearing something different than you are now. It's going to be similar according to the costume designer, but it may not be exactly this. And she goes, no, no, it's exactly this. <laughs> I said, like shoes and everything. She said, this is exactly what I'm going to be wearing when that boat rolls over. I went, wow. She showed up totally prepared. I explained to her what we were doing. We went into the uh, room that has the dive tank in it. And she was like, let's go. Let's get in the water. 30 (laughs) minutes later, we were done. It was amazing how fast it was. She was completely comfortable with it. Uh, She was comfortable with the safety, with the, you know, having to breathe off of air. Because we had to take her down to the bottom of the tank, hold her there. And then let her come up and become neutrally buoyant. So she had to be able to just hover in space. And she did it. It was flawless. I, 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 can't, I can't, you know, she's one of the easiest I've ever had to deal with. Wow. That's yeah, amazing. She's amazing. That's yeah. really amazing. The, that scene in itself uh, with the, the boat rolling over, how, how do you prep a scene like that? Because that's got to be a major stunt. It is a big scene. I mean, safety was a primary concern prior to filling the tank. The effects department who built the boat and the gimbal 
uh, and the, you know, the whole mechanism, they were going to do a rollover to test it. So we all showed up, all of my safety people, I had them all there to see this rollover and see what it was, you know, what it was going to do. Were there any pinch points, anything like that? Then they filled the tank. We went back uh, the day before we were going to shoot it and did the same thing with all of the safety people, all of the stunt people. Everyone knew at the end of that, it's, it's kind of a slow rehearsal so that we roll the boat over for everybody so they can watch it. Right. Everybody was in. Everyone was in the water. Everyone had masks on. Everybody could see exactly what this thing was going to do. Then we put all of the stunt people on board, had all of the safety people in the water. And I think I had five Navy SEALs. I would say five or six dive masters. I mean, safety swimmers, surfers, everybody in that water was incredibly handy in the water. And then we put all the stunt people on board and we rolled it over so everybody could get the ride, figure it out. And I told everybody, stay, stay on the boat. Don't come off of the boat for the rehearsal. Just stay there. See how it settles. We have safety people all around the boat keeping an eye on you while you're underwater. If you're in need of something, go to the surface or signal to your safety diver who will be right there with you, next to you, uh, signal to him that you need assistance, you need air, whatever it is. But you're only five, six feet from the from the surface anyway. So, you know, you can just swim up unless you have a, an issue, you're stuck or something like that. And then on the day, we all showed up. And we basically did the exact same thing, rolling the boat over so that Merrill and the actors could see what it was all about. It showed them video from the day before of the test. And then we loaded the boat up and rolled it over. <laughs> yeah. And, and they did a fantastic job. Fantastic. My daughter doubled Merrill for the actual rollover. What we did with Merrill was we put her underwater inside the boat. And the shot is looking straight at her as all these people are trying to get out. And, you know, people are dying and their bodies floating and so on. And so she did. So we took her down. Callie took her down. Got her on air, got her in position. We had a little platform down there so that she could support herself. And um, we shot the whole scene in eight hours, which is wow. unheard of. Yeah. Soderbergh is amazing when it comes to that. His planning and execution is just top notch. You could set your watch by his planning. Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. You mentioned your your daughter's doubling for, for Merrill there. The whole family is actually involved in the stunt industry at this point, isn't they? They are, yeah. All my kids. I have three kids, two boys. And, and my daughter, Callie, Callie's the youngest, and they all do stunts. You know, they all grew up racing motorcycles and cars and jumping off of buildings. And we set them on fire when they were kids. And, uh, <laughs> you know. I was going to say, did you encourage it? But by the sides of it, you did. <laughs> yeah, you kind of live that life. You know, you yeah. just, uh, you know, they see you do it and they go, hey, I, can you set me on fire? <laughs> oh, sure, I'll set you on fire. Let's go. <laughs> And we step through it. You know, everything is done extremely safely. Of course. Um, you know, whether they're your kids or not. Um, so they, they've been through it. My daughter, Callie, started when she was four years old on Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Which wow. Was yeah. That's it amazing. Was a great experience. In terms of how you got into it, I mean, one of your earlier jobs, of course, was was working on Back to the Future, where you doubled Michael J. Fox. Were, were you involved, because Michael J. Fox kind of joined that movie later on, were you involved in the earlier bit? Because it was Eric Stoltz, I think, they originally cast in that role, and then he was recast. Were you involved at that point as well? I was not. It's, inter it's an interesting story. I had uh, started doing stunts in New York City, so I grew up on the East Coast and I had gotten a job. Suzuki had called me to come to Redlands and do a print job for them uh, on a new motorcycle that they were introducing. And myself and a girl were just going to ride around the campus. So when I was here for that, I went around and I introduced myself to all of the stunt people all the summons associations, everybody in the in Los Angeles, because I didn't know them personally. You know, you never really had contact. There was no crossover. And they all said, God, you, you work all the time. Your size is perfect. There's nobody like you. Come on out. So a month later, I moved out. A month after I got here, what you used to do at that time was you had to find out where the stunt coordinators were shooting on a day, on any given day. And then go and visit them and introduce yourself to them in person. Right. So that's the way it was done at that time. We didn't have social media. We didn't even have cell phones. You know, we, we yeah. had maps. That's it. And yeah. a lot of, and a lot of quarters for the telephone. So that day, you used to sneak on the lot. So you you kind of 
have people there on lot on, on like at Universal Studios or Warner Brothers, wherever it may be. You you identified people who were, you know, helpful to you and getting on the lot. So the, <laughs> there, was, yeah, there was this one person at Universal Studios and they uh, that she used to let us in regularly. And she had uh, there was a room there where all of the call sheets for the day for all the shows that were being shot were stacked up. And that's where you would go. You would grab one call sheet from everything and it would give you the address and who's there and so on on each show. And this one day, which was exactly a month after I arrived in L.A., I went into that room. There was a call sheet on the table, one call sheet, and it said Back to the Future on it. And the stunt coordinator's name was on it. So I thought, well, I'm going to go and introduce myself to that guy. I didn't know who Mike was. I didn't know anything about him. And I walked to the back lot and as I was walking up to the stunt coordinator Michael walked out of the stage and we both stopped in front of the coordinator and Mike asked if I was his double <laughs> I looked at me and looked at Mike and went yeah yeah he's your double and that was it and that was the very first day that I worked on it and that was Mike's first day as well wow. so uh, from that point on I doubled Michael all the way through him going to Spin City wow so, okay yeah yeah was 12 years yeah obviously with that there was a lot of skateboarding involved in that movie did you skateboard at that time or was that something you had to pick up no I skated at that time my brother and I used to skate around our hometown that's how you got around you right. know you'd either hitchhike or you'd skate or you'd grab onto somebody's bumper while you were on your skateboard and they would drag you around town. Um, so, so I did skate. I, you know, I wasn't a pro skater or anything like that, but yeah. I was confident on a board. And the first gag I had to do was the scene where Michael is being pushed backwards by Biff and Biff's car. Right. And yeah. he runs up and over the top and lands on the board. So that was the very first gag I did for Mike, <laughs> which was great. Yeah, that was shot up near the observatory, wasn't it? I seem to remember, I think. Well, that tunnel scene. Well, the tunnel was um, Biff chasing Michael. Right, that's it, yeah. Right. My first was... day was on the courthouse square on the back lot of Universal. Right, yeah. Where Mike's on the back of a car and Biff's chasing him. He's hanging onto the back of a truck and shoots off towards the courthouse and Biff continues. That that was the first gag. But yes, up in Griffith Park, up at the observatory, all the stuff in the tunnel, the flying, everything else, I did all that as well. I remember, yeah, yeah. As you say, you stuck with uh, Michael throughout right up until Spin City and some of the other movies. I always scroll back through the IMDb to see what the first credit is just because I find it really interesting. Toxic Avenger. <laughs> uh, it was the first one on there, which is fabulous. But I mean, you've you've worked with some amazing people. Uh, you did the Masters of the Universe movie, uh, Next of Kin, so working with Patrick Swayze, Batman mm-hmm. Returns, uh, Frighteners, which was Michael again, uh, Men in Black 2, The Grinch Stole Christmas, What Dreams May Come, which is a horrendously underrated movie with uh, Robin Williams. Yeah. How was that experience, working on something like that with Robin? Robin was amazing. Robin, when Robin showed up on set, we had a lot of extras, especially in this one sequence where we were in a library. People are floating all about. He's up in heaven. He's going to see Max von Sydow. And Robin, when he showed up on set, he would not hang out in the director's chairs or by the monitor. He would hang out with the extras and did a live show every day. <laughs> wow. Every day. There was something going on and he was just going on and on. And it was great. I directed the second unit on that as well. Oh, right. Yeah. And so one day I was filming a scene with Robin's double and Cuba Gooding Jr.'s double sailing into the into the library and then rising up out of the boat and flying up to Max von Sydow. You know, normally I would only, since I was doing the second unit, I would only get the doubles. Well, Robin and Kuba showed up first thing in the morning. They walked in the stage and I said, what What are you guys doing here? They said, we're, we're here to work. And this was on a, on a weekend, their day off. And they showed up, they got in the, in the rigs and we brought them in in the boat. We flew them out of the boat. We flew Max von Sydow who was, God, God knows how old he was at that time. Got to be getting on a bit even then, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's probably five or 600 years old by then. Anyway, <laughs> um, he was an amazing guy to work with. He really was. He was a true talent. Yeah, what a great experience. Uh, other, other movies you mentioned, Planet of the Apes, there, where you said your kids were involved in, which is fabulous. The Hulk with Eric Banner, Die Hard, La La Land, and some of the TV shows as well. You, you worked, did a bit of work on The Morning Show recently. I did. You know, I don't normally do TV. I haven't typically but done TV. 
TV, but I was offered a show here in L.A., Los Angeles, which spans about six months. Right. And I, I think four or five, they're about to go into their fifth season. And I thought, gosh, what a great idea. I'll stay in town. I don't have to travel all around the world. So I did. I, I did that show and the morning show came up. Uh, Mimi Leader and Cheryl Ann Martin, the producer's director, called me and asked me if I would do the show. So they don't have a lot of stuff, but when they do, yeah. I, I go in and I do whatever they need done. You know? Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't strike me as something that has a huge amount of stunts in it, but I, I noticed you were doing that. It's been a great series as well. I know we're only about five episodes in at the moment. So, uh, right. but, but yeah, it's been really good that. And The Rookie was something else you worked on, which I know shoots in LA as well. I adore Nathan Fillion, just a huge Firefly fan. So um, yeah. how's the experience? Because that's obviously has a lot more stunts working on that, I guess. It, it does. I mean, Nathan is awesome. He's a great guy, extremely capable. When I saw the pilot, they asked me to do it. It had already begun shooting, but they needed to replace somebody. So right. I watched the pilot and I thought, wow, this is awesome. I'll do this. So I did the first season, last season, and my assistant coordinator and my daughter do it now. Right. So then they've been doing it this season while I've been doing other shows. Yeah. Um, I did Animal Kingdom as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's with Finn Cole. Do you know Finn? Yes. Know yeah. Of. Yes. I've met Finn a few times because of Peaky Blinders. Ben Robson and uh, Finn Cole. Ben was, uh, you know, Ben? Not spoken to Ben, but yeah. He did um, Vikings or something. I think it was Vikings. Yeah. Great guys, really, really good group of people. Yeah. In terms of other TV shows, one back in your past, you did some work on the Pacific as well. Yeah. Um, that must have been a, a phenomenal thing to. If I imagine that was quite harrowing and hard work to work on that, so like that. You know, you're you're in the same conditions that they would have been in in the real battle. Yeah. When we were shooting Okinawa, so I got the call to go in because they didn't feel that enough people were dying or appeared to be dying. <laughs> right. So, so I went in, we replaced the entire stunt crew, and uh, I had a local guy, Mitch Deans from Australia, and Scott McLean as my Australian counterparts. They brought in a team of guys that were amazing, outstanding guys. We put them through, I guess it would be death school or dying <laughs> school or something like that. Anyway, we, t- we taught them all how to, how to die properly you know how you really die right yeah. in that you know kind of situation it, Hollywood has you know kind of glorified death a little bit yeah. and things that happen on a lot of movies don't actually happen yeah. in the real world you know um, but it was a great experience I loved the group of people I was working with it was massive battle scenes every day we would just we would kill as many people as we could and make it a period <laughs> they were only killing a handful yeah. when I arrived and I went to costume and I said, I need 40 uniforms every day, uh, you know, 20 Japanese and 20 allies. And they said, that's crazy. I said, but that's what I need to do. I need to kill as many people as possible. So they then sent them to the uh, special effects guys who are actually British also. Right. Great group of people. They set up all the, I would go in in the morning and say, what do you want to do? I said, I want, I'm going to kill this guy this way. I'm going to kill that guy that way, blah, 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 blah. And they would set up the uniforms so that we're blood packs and squibs and all of that. And then we had a guy, there was a, an amputee stuntman in Australia. Right. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat if we could build him a leg and blow his leg up when he steps <laughs> out of mine? And so the effects department built us a, prost- a prosthetic leg for him. It, it wasn't an explosive. It was an explosive charge, but nothing that would actually yeah. injure him. And he's running across the battlefield with gurney in hand, and we blew his leg off and he goes down and gets shot and, and that, it was a great great experience it's amazing you know you don't realize what war is like until yeah. you actually have to reenact it for real yeah and the things that people go through or went through is just you know horrific yeah it's a um, sure really interesting experience doing something like that obviously you've been doing this for quite a while this is the cgi side of things which has sort of crept in has that taken some of the fun out of doing things because something like that that scene you mentioned in the pacific i guess they'd probably just blue screen the guy's leg out and do it that way this at this point so does it take some of the fun and creativity out of your side of things no it doesn't actually it adds to it a lot of stunt guys don't like the introduction of cgi because they feel like it it eliminates a lot of positions and it does but 
but at the same time, it gives me the creative flexibility to go beyond right. you know, what is humanly possible. Hmm. So if they had said, well, we're going to blue screen his leg and we're just going to blow it off. And I'd say, great. Then it's all about what leads up to that point and how we follow that. So it just kind of alters my approach to it, but it doesn't diminish anything I'm doing. It enhances what I can do. Cool. That's good. Is there any time you've, you've come across an actor who's really surprised you with their ability in terms of the stunt work? Oh, yeah. I mean, Tom Cruise is awesome. Of course. He's- He's really on his game. Everybody knows that. Michael J. Fox, he was an amazing athlete. He was a hockey player. There were so many actors, so many of these guys. Uh, heck, Finn Cole, he's an amazing athlete. Ben Robson is. Uh, Sean Hattesey, last season I had to do a um, an MMA fight with him. And uh, I got some real MMA fighters. And we put Sean in the ring. Wow. And we had a real MMA fight. And he went at it. At one point I said, you know, these guys are real MMA guys. They're used to getting punched in the face. You're both going to have gloves on. So you need to punch them in the face. (laughs) For real. Just once. So we can sell that, the concept that it actually took place. And then everything else can be cheated after that. But we have to see a fist hit a face. (laughs) Uh, He was very hesitant at first. And the uh, MMA guys, Roman Matichian was was, uh, one of our trainers. Absolutely amazing. Uh, A guy named Sebak. He said, no, punch me in the face. I'm good. And (laughs) Sean punched him in the face. And, uh, you know, he had gloves. We added a little extra padding to it so we didn't hurt him. But so many many actors want to do the stunts. They want to do as much as they possibly can. So, you know, Charlize Theron, she's the same thing. We spent months training her for Aeon Flux in Capoeira, in gymnastics, in dance. We had all kinds of training that we had to do with her wire work um and she was there every day on time working her butt off so well i give them a lot of credit the majority of actors are very much into it you'll get the occasional one that may have had you know an injury at one time something like that they don't feel entirely comfortable with it so you know we then have doubles We always have a double for yeah, every act. Of course, yeah. of course. Is there one particular stunt that comes to mind which you're really, really proud of and is the thing you kind of hail of, that was awesome, I'm so glad we got to do that? No, that's... that's. Uh... I know, out of your long, long career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the hoverboard flying was awesome. Right. Uh, because we, we got to basically skate in the air um so so everything although it was all hanging from wires or we were hanging from wires and we had to manipulate the board it had to be just right to sell the concept of actually flying a hoverboard that i would say that that one was probably more involved over a longer period of time just because there was so much to do i actually have the hoverboard the original hoverboard from the film wow yeah um on the last day of flying i used to take it home with me every night but on the last day of flying when i was leaving the effects guys they were just throwing away all of the other boards that we had but i had one that the majority of the flying was done on and i kept it with me so i knew exactly where it had been i was in control of it because i'm 25 feet in the air i don't want to yeah i don't want somebody to have messed with the board at night and on the last day i was walking out and i said i'm going to keep my board and they all went good for you keep your board you can have it (laughs) that's great so i have it one of the only surviving boards from the show that's an amazing memento to be able to take away with you the other thing you've done recently of course is uh call of the wild which is uh the new disney film with harrison ford and the dog which is the main story basically how is it working with harrison and i mean i'm assuming bits of that dog are obviously cgi but i'm assuming not all of it is so are you dealing with the animals as well yeah you are dealing with harrison first place harrison's an awesome awesome guy yeah there was a real dog that was used as reference but then terry notary who's a movement guy movement stunt guy i actually brought him on planet of the apes and the grinch years ago he was a circle performer in Las Vegas. Um, I brought him in for the Grinch first. He and a bunch of other Cirque performers were the Who's. And and that's that's a great, uh, you know, being able to use people like that, Cirque performers who are more than just athletes, they're they're actually, you know, they're performers, they're actors. Um, And incorporate them into the Who mentality. We had had Who school. Uh, (laughs) So we had a stage that was all about walking on stilts and walking on balls and trampolines and all kinds of crazy who stuff. And then, uh, 
Terry came over to Planet of the Apes with me and we developed the movement for the apes. We developed quadrupeding. Actually, we had ape school in my yard at my <laughs> house. Um, and that's when my daughter became familiar with everyone and right. the outfits that they were going to be wearing. So on the day that we had a scene where a, a little kid, uh, you know, human was supposed to be kidnapped by the apes, apes and kept as a pet for one of the other apes. Right. And I thought I'm going to bring Callie to work with me today because she's totally comfortable with everybody in the in the makeup and everything because they'd spent you know a month and a half at our house yeah every day they'd be in makeup everything else and uh we got there and the kids that had been cast were terrified when they saw the guys dressed as an ape and they couldn't do it and i had callie and tim and uh tim burton and richard zanuck were there they were standing there on stage going now what are we going to do and i was standing there with callie <laughs> and they said what about callie will she do it and i went i don't see why not let's put her in the cage and see what happens <laughs> <laughs> and she nailed it she just did a great job mark Wahlberg saved her jumped out a window she was four years old at the time wow yeah. that's crazy yeah. Um, just as we wrap up, there was one other thing I noticed on uh, on your Instagram feed. You're the founder of a thing called the Earth's Ocean Foundation. Do you just want to talk a little bit about that? Earth's Ocean Foundation, we developed, we, we started that. I, I've traveled around the, a lot of places around of the world. And there's plastic everywhere on every beach. And I spend a lot of time in the water. I'm a diver. Uh, we surf. You're always seeing the garbage. And I thought to myself, why can't um, – I kind of started – life after high school, uh, heading in the direction of engineering. I love engineering and I've just that kind of a mind. And I thought there's, there has to be something we can do with all of this material before it ends up in the ocean. Yeah. If we give it value, if we develop products that everybody uses, that people use every single day, we just re-engineer what's currently on the market. Why wouldn't they use this if it works? Yes. So I started to develop different products, tiles and boat cushions and uh, training equipment, you know, medicine bags um, or medicine balls, sandbags, heavy sparring bags, um, developed 21 products now. So what we're doing is we're interfacing with productions to take all of their plastic material. The productions collect their plastic. We then take it and process it though, so that it can be used in these products. Oh, wow. That's an awesome, yeah. awesome project. Uh, where can people find more about that if they want to find out more? On our site. Uh, we have a, a website, earthsoceans.foundation. That's going to be the best place for them to go. That's a that's our website. Then obviously we have a Facebook page as well. Yeah. And we have an Instagram page as well. So but all three of those places, I mean, yeah. they'll find all the information. They can get a hold of me through there. They email me directly. And, um, cool. you know, if somebody has something to say, we want to get the whole world. Out. We're trying to sell a concept, basically. Yeah. Give plastic value by utilizing it in, in products that people use every day yeah. already. And then it has value. Yeah. It's a great, great concept. Um, so last couple of questions for you that we ask everybody. First question will be, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I watch Big Bang Theory. Yes. I <laughs> love that show. Two and a Half Men. Right, yeah. I don't watch a lot of TV. I watch more news or I watch nature channels, Nova, things like that. That that interests me, you know. Um, if somebody's on an expedition, you know, National Geographic, that kind of stuff. Oh, um, yeah. That, that's kind of what I gravitate to. Every once in a while, you'll see an NCIS. I'll w watch Rookie when it's when it's on, when yeah. the new season's on. I watch Animal Kingdom when the new season is on. Yeah. Other than that, that's that's pretty much it. Other than I, I watch a lot of movies. Yeah. I'm, I'm also a member of the Academy. Yeah. So I get hundreds of movies <laughs> <laughs> at this time of year. So I spend a lot of time watching that. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and last question. If you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, it can be something in the past, something present or something future, not one you've worked on, which show would it be? Mandalorian. <laughs> Do you Good know choice. Mandalorian? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, a, friend, so a lot of friends of mine, actually, the foundation is working with Mandalorian on collecting all of their plastic materials. Oh, cool. So that's one way we are. A lot of my friends work on the show as well, but they already had people in place from the first season. So they're not going to just, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know, they're good. They did a good job. So, um, but that's definitely one that I would like to be on mm. all day, every day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's more Star Wars things coming up over the next years <laughs> given yeah. the uh, Disney are going to keep this going I think so uh, I'm sure you'll get on one soon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All I'll right. keep trying 
keep going for it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, it's been lovely chatting with you. I love your work. The stuff you've been doing is fabulous. And good luck in the future. And uh, good luck with the foundation. Hope you uh, get more plastic out of the ocean. That would be awesome. Thank uh, you, Dave. And uh, talk to you again soon, hopefully. Well, thank you, Dave. I appreciate your time. And you. Bye. Bye. So that was the interview with stunt coordinator Charlie Crowell. You can catch The Laundry Mat on Netflix right now. It is up there. That's the movie with Meryl Streep. The Call of the Wild will be out in cinemas February in 2020. So you can go and catch that there. Now some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week. Uh, we're getting into that period where the the new shows kind of start to drop off a little bit, but we have got some stuff starting. The Fix, which is a one-season show and cancelled, but that is a legal thriller that's coming to Fox on the 28th of November at 9pm. You can catch that. Fear the Walking Dead, the free-to-air premiere of season two of that is coming on the 28th of November as well. That's at 2am. So I don't think they're expecting people to watch that live. You can uh, stick that in your planner though Servant which is the M. Night Shyamalan series that is coming to Apple TV on the 28th of November sort of M. Night Shyamalan weirdness I'm not even going to try and describe it it's the usual thing you'd expect from him uh, but that's called Servant that's coming to Apple TV on the 28th of November Upright which is the new Tim Minchin series this is a comedy drama where Tim Minchin drags a piano across Australia essentially is the uh, premise for it that's coming to sky one on the 28th of november as well that is at 10 p.m and the rook comes to stars play on the 28th of november this was previously i think premiered on virgin but it's now going on to stars play as well uh, this is a an adaptation of daniel o'malley's supernatural novel about a young woman pursued by shadowy paranormal adversaries while grappling with extraordinary abilities of her own 28th of november basically for all those things which which is kind of weird, but uh, yes. It's a Thursday thing. <laughs> yeah, so they're all dropping on the 28th of November, which I think is a first. I don't think we've ever had that before. Oh. So there you go. My uh, pick is definitely going to be upright. Out of all of those, I think I'm most looking forward to the Tim Minchin drama, a comedy drama. So uh, that's going to be my suggestion of the week. Yes, that <laughs> would be the one I think I would probably gravitate towards as well. That's everything we have for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to just mention. Not at the moment, no, but do follow me on Grey the Geek uh, if you you're going to over to Twitter. Um, I probably won't speak to anyone before Christmas now, so enjoy your Christmas movies. My pick of Christmas movies is always Muppets Christmas Carol. Of course. Uh, so do go out and have a binge watch. Make sure everyone puts aside a day to watch some Christmas movies and get into the spirit. Yes. So uh, other than that, I wish everyone a very festive period. I'm sure I'll talk to you all in the new year. Yes, and obviously for us, we are still going right throughout December. We will have a huge competition coming up uh, from next week as well. So check out that. Uh, visit the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week. See all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.